0: To feel this way. This is Marisha for Love Your Creativity and I have just got on the other line Ryan for our next coaching session. Hello Ryan!
1: Hi Marisha, how are you?
0: I am well, thank you. So uh, for those of you who've been following, this is the seventh coaching podcast session with Ryan james Locke, author of Being Your Own Publicist and all his great online and uh, e-book coaching sessions. And he's been uh, helping me as a creative really move forward and try and keep my head clear while battling uh, the fires of creativity and doubt and general crazy life uh, i think that's it right no <laughs> what else are you doing to help
1: <laughs> i like the sound of that very much well we've been looking at prioritizing our to-do lists we've been looking at overcoming you know limited thinking and procrastination and we've really been looking at creating and maintaining supportive habits both in uh, life and work
0: yes you have indeed that's all good so at the end of the last session we were you were uh, we were talking about stop shudding all over yourself yeah, uh, which was great and also about the fact we need to take responsibility that if you've created a product be it an art exhibition a play mm-hmm. a record a, 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 anything and I guess an e-book anything if, if you've created something you really feel is very good and no one's buying it you need to look at why and the, and the marketing back of that completely yeah. uh, which and that, that's really made me think and off the back of that what I have done this week is I'm in a play at the moment and uh, so I did get round this week to writing to a load of casting directors. And, of course, my agent retired early in the year. He's come back and he's going to start a new kind of business with someone else is running it. But I haven't made a decision about that yet. And um, I'm quite enjoying the fact that being agentless, it means you have to do a bit more work for yourself because you know the phone's not going to ring. There's almost... Mm-hmm. But I did, um, because you said, well, write some real clear goals. People you maybe would ring in a week, or talk to in a week, or email—you know those kind of very much clear marketing goals that you know you've done and yeah. you don't do. So I've done that on the acting side. Okay. Of course, part of our podcasting is all about my London Town track, so that will come up later. But that's definitely lagging behind. I've done a few bits, but really, I've got to relook. But before we start, I wanted to talk to you about press. I am because obviously I know you're a publicist, and um, talk to me briefly first about your. PR background before we get into the... So so people know that actually when you give me advice, you do know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, sure. So when I moved to London, I started a business in PR in my early 20s. I was about 23 when I started my first PR thing. And I then went into consulting in different agencies and with a number of uh, venues. And I worked with some brands and a few celebrities on different accounts at agencies. So I have a very strong background in... You know, PR consultancy in terms of like how to create a strategy to get into the media. But for myself, I'm very, um, uh, I'm very confident in my coaching on on things like publicity because not only do I coach private clients, but you know, I feature in you know a few publications around the world You've every just month, said, sorry. and I also write. Um,
0: sorry, Ryan, you just cut out. You said you feature, then I got a cut out.
1: <laughs> how funny! Um, I feature regularly on different websites you know, in the US uh, and Europe and Canada. So one of the things I feel confident in when I coach people is that you're hearing it from somebody who not only does it for clients, but also, it, you know, is walking the talk.
0: Yes, absolutely. Exactly. And that's what you're bringing. Just as I'm bringing to these coaching sessions, um, a creative who's actually creating in all kinds of fields and has done, made most yeah. of the mistakes. So I have a certain amount of uh, hardened battle experience behind me. Not to say the battle doesn't continue to be <laughs> full on and hard. But, of course, with you, you're bringing not only some great coaching but some back, your real, real understanding of publicity and marketing and how to do it. So I'm in this play at the moment. It's fantastic. It's a new piece um, written by a guy called Dan Horrigan, mm-hmm. uh, directed by a guy called Tom Latta. I mean, really great. And my It's a forehand of the other three actors, all drama centre trained. And drama centre's really, I think at the moment, probably the... Well, probably the best training at the moment you can get in London. It certainly seems better than and Tom Hardy. And, and they're three great actors and actors really responsive. It's just wonderful to work with them. And, of course, we had press night, which went well, and a couple of other uh, little mini nights. But, of course, we're in that place where the press reviews are coming. And I can say, because I don't read reviews. Okay. The reason being, well, there's a few. I think partly because I've done the whole Edinburgh fringe many times and the problem is you get a lot of, I think it's one thing being reviewed by a critic who has some kind of um, training in it, but certainly a lot of student reviewers which you can often have with some of the online places like Remote Goat now, but also obviously in Edinburgh you have these people coming without any real sense of understanding what it is to do the work and they review yeah, you sad. and they're trying to be very funny and they're trying to be and they can be incredibly hurtful and I just have found that my yep. work does not, is not helped by yep. reading reviews now you do need constructive criticism but I've got to the point in my life now where I'm very clear that the only people I really want to hear from are I want to hear from my director and obviously the, the writer yep. now because there's also this Buddhist thing called the eight Winds. one is woman I love that bit a truly wise woman or man it's not swayed okay. by the eight wings of um, prosperity, uh, I'm going to re- misquote this. I'll it.
1: It's decline,
0: Prosperity, uh, and, uh, fa- uh, censure and praise. Yeah. <laughs> poverty and uh, lots of money. And there's two more. I'll remember them. I at this. I like it. But yeah,
1: it's one of p- my favourites, actually. Yeah, it's
0: one of my favourites. I don't know why, I just don't know it. But I always know prosperity, decline, praise and censure. Because the thing is, I'm aware, if they say you're brilliant, you think you're brilliant. They say you're terrible, you think you're terrible. But that neither really helps with the task at hand, which means you've got to get up on stage and do your job. And we all have to have, as artists, a certain sense of, yes, you're always learning. Yes, the technique's always moving forward. But you have to have a sense of brightness in your product. There are some technical things you can ask. But I will never forget, I was, um, I won't mention names now, because... Uh, it's not appropriate, but I, I, for many years, had a very famous and brilliant singing teacher. And about a year ago, she had started tutoring a... Um, a, ..a multi-selling, multi-platinum singer, let's put it that way.
1: Mm. And she'd
0: gone to her concert, very big concert, on the, on the night. And I was there in the morning, but before I do the lesson, I really need to make a call. And I overheard her call this incredibly famous, and everyone would know who she is, and she, she's a real amazing singer. She called this... Um, singer's manager and said um, oh hi uh, to the manager I've, you know, this is da-da-da. I've just, uh, I just read the Times review and they were saying oh she was very pitchy and she's not that great at singing and I'd just like to say and this woman is incredibly well renowned as a singer and all this stuff and I just want to tell you that I was in the, in the room and of course her singing was not in any way pitchy or wrong or out of tune you know what I'm saying and it yeah. was really nice hey, to hear this singer teacher with such a reputation she's probably the best in the world certainly up there Um, so if she tells you you're not out of tune you're not but you've got the times the times of viewers saying oh well she's out of tune so I'm having a quite an interesting time with the reviews because of course I understand we need them for promotion and I've said it's fine you can have them and I said I've said to Dan the the, the writer producer send me the quote the press quotes and we're getting good we're getting really good reviews you know people even if people are I mean the director said to me well, even if they're not loving the play, they're really loving the actors because we are, the four of us are doing a great job and that's for each other. So I know everyone's been very complimentary about the, what we're doing as actors, even if they're not loving the play and lots of people are loving the play, but it's very full on, you know, it's sex, murder, death, all that kind of stuff <laughs> and yeah. prostitution and abuse and mental despair and insanity. Um, so I know that, But I have, therefore, by default, I've accidentally read, like, a couple of quotes from the reviews, which I don't mind as much, if you see what I'm saying, because that's, it's been chosen by the press. But it's very interesting, because I hear the other actors going, oh, one review said that Emily was captivating, another review said she was ridiculous. Well, I'm, you know, this kind of stuff. I just wonder what your take on how, because I know I've got a take that saves my sanity. Yeah. But I just wondered where you were with press reviews and how you would psychologically... Am I being ridiculous? Because actually, the, the Buddhist thing is one should not be swayed by praise or censure. Well, I'm not allowing myself to be swayed because I don't, I don't choose to look at it. So actually, I'm not even allowing the sway. But I just know, I mean, I remember... If you talk to any artist, they will always quote their worst review. I was listening to a podcast the other day and some guy, he's just like a business writer on Amazon. It's amazing how those negative things stick in our craw and they, their claws are in there forever, and yet we dismiss the positive ones.
1: It's hilarious, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So talk to me about that and, and make me... I think I'm right, not really.
1: <laughs> <you for> <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, you know, there's no such thing as right or wrong. Essentially, it comes down to what works for you. And I think what you're describing to me sounds like a very productive course of action you know don't forget a review is essentially that person's opinion Mm -hmm. just the same as a book is just the author's opinion and something i think is very dangerous for especially creatives or self-employed people or people that really are their own brand like you are is to understand that you have to sort of you know when you step up especially i mean you're a, a physical example of it when you step up on stage and you sing or you act or you dance or whatever not only are you doing the job, but you're also completely vulnerable in a sense because you are, you know, you are the you are the job and you are you. You're you know, in the same kind of time and space. And I think, in terms of reviews, a lot of I know a lot of people who don't read them for the same reasons you suggested. So I think that it's a great idea not to, especially if you think that potentially it could upset you. There's nothing wrong with, you know, I don't see the point in 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 reading something that doesn't really have an effect either way. For example. You know, if it comes to perhaps, like you said, a student writing, you know, Mm. a blog post or a review, personally, I don't think that's relevant to read because, like you very, you perfectly, you know, you said it perfectly. They're trying to be funny, they're not really trying to sort of do anything else. In terms of, you know, I think I did a video on this on my YouTube channel, how to deal with negative reviews.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Well, well, in that case, I'll find it and I'll link it to the show notes if you send me a link. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, perfect.
1: One of the things, from memory, um, there was three strategies that I suggested. One is, and this is only if you read them. So let <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, for a second, suggesting that you do. The first one is, be you know, objectively, objectively speaking, what can I learn from this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The second one is, and this is perhaps going to like ruffle some feathers, especially with journalists. But and it was. And I believe in this, though, it, you know, it, look at the person writing it. Do you, do you really, do they embody what you want? For example, there's a film uh, called You Can Heal Your Life, and it's, uh, it's a Louise Hay film, and she interviews lots of different authors on their journey. And, and one of the ladies says that you don't help, you know, um, she said, you know, don't listen to people who don't have what you want, meaning if you're trying to become a wealthy business person, don't take advice from people who are broke. If you're wanting to be happy and successful and, and productive and creative, don't listen to people who put you down and i think that that ties in very nicely with what you're saying about not reading reviews because ultimately if it's an agent or a manager or a casting director or somebody like a very close friend that's a great you know you know they've got your best interests um yes but to sort of stay on track and make it more about you um the third thing i sort of said in in the strategy video was you know to really understand that, to be objective about it. So somebody might, for example, say that they didn't like it or or, or they didn't think you were this or that. It's just an opinion. You know, um, talk to me about how you... When you say you don't read them because you don't want to be swayed, is there perhaps an element of fear of criticism in that or is it just a case of maintaining focus?
0: I don't really think it helps me. I, I, I really... I don't think it... Because at the end of the day, I understand. As I said, I mean, uh, it, um, uh, the late Emily who's playing opposite in me in most of the scenes, um, I gather because one of the other actresses said that, you know, one, re- one reviewer on the same night said she was captivating and another one reviewer said she was ridiculous. It's yeah. very clearly opinion and uh, it's quite interesting because I've noticed recently on Facebook Stephen Burkoff, the uh, director-writer, he'd put a p- post up on Facebook uh, saying, well, um, I, I don't normally post reviews, but I've had so much abuse over the years uh, on my about my my one-hour plays. I've put this because this is an intelligent review. So I'm, you know, I'm wherever you are in the field of art, wherever you are, you, you're going to have. And I, the reason I wonder about reviews, and this, this is the only thing, is because I'm very aware, however, that a good review. I mean, we've you know we've had we have had as I said, we've had really good reviews, so I'm not going, oh my God, I'm saying this I'm a bitter and twisted, I know, I've now seen a couple of the clips and people are making some very nice comments about, I mean, I know that, I know the stage said, you know, that, that, we, that uh, the, the play is very clearly in the, in, in the capable hands of the cast, so it's not like,
1: that's good,
0: you know, you know, we know what we're doing, we're very clearly, we're four actors, so we're good actors, and, and with very difficult material, and it is difficult material, and everyone's dealing with it fantastically, so, but, of course, for me, the only query why I might read my reviews is for publicity. Now, we, I have been kind of sharing on Facebook the reviews that have been handpicked. So I said to Dan, I said, send me the handpicked ones you want to promote the show. And I can, you know what I mean, I won't really read them. I haven't really read them, but you know what I mean, just, just to have them out there. But then I know that I've got a couple of old reviews on my website for my cabaret. And, of course, if there are any good reviews of me as an actor, although I don't really... I do and I'm going to have great days and ter- I'm going to have brilliant days and terrible days, you know. Of
1: course.
0: Uh, of course. And I do think, well, is there an argument to get someone to read the reviews after I finish to then say, well, actually, there's a really good quote here that you can use personally, Marisha, to stick on the website to promote yourself. You see what I'm saying? So that's the only reason I can think of why I choose to. And I know. I if it's, and if it's my own show, that's why I, ha- I used to have to read them before when I was doing my own. But then I learned back. God, five, six years ago, I just thought, no, 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 I'll read reviews. Almost after finish, oh, am finished. But I, even that, I don't. I don't, I, I, you know.
1: I think it's a great idea getting somebody like a... Well, you know, it, it would normally be somebody like a publicist, actually. But I think there's, there's a few good reasons for getting a friend, you know, a friend to do it, or somebody objective. And it's exactly that, because they're objective. I know, you know, a lot of people doesn't matter what industry you're in that I speak to or a coach, everybody has a sense of insecurity around how they're perceived. Everybody does. You know, that's just part of, our, you know, our sort of, like, DNA. And I think when you're, you know, it's a very dangerous game to get into. It's like a roller coaster, isn't it? You know, if people say you're brilliant, you feel wonderful. If yeah, people, you know, ridiculous. or if somebody makes a sarcastic... It's almost like, it's almost a bit like high school, isn't it? You know, if somebody says something nasty about you behind your back, suddenly you're not cool anymore. And I think actually, as you perfectly said about that, you know, the Buddhist sort of text that talks about, you know, wise people aren't swayed, that's not, ne- that's not meant in like a dogmatic way. I think that's a great example of psychological well-being and happiness, because ultimately, yes it's lovely if somebody says you're great, but you shouldn't feel validated just because somebody else said you're great, and you shouldn't feel invalidated if somebody says you're not.
0: And also, the truth is, as I, I have a legendary experience of this. Mm-hmm. I say legendary because it's a legend for me personally. <laughs> I once heard an amazing piece of music, written for a jazz orchestra by Steve Waterman. Beautiful piece of music. And as I sat there in the room listening to this, words, lyrics, literally fell out the sky. And I did. And I know Steve Waterman because I have studied with him in the past, and he has since played on my album. He's amazing. He's a jazz trumpeter. It's he, just incredible. Uh, and very well educated as a jazz. If I um, write some words, which I've never done before or since, but I felt very strongly about this. And he said, No, of course. So I did so. And then about mm, six weeks later, I went on a, the, one of the Ravenden jazz courses, which is the thing that Jackie Dankworth and, no, well, Jackie Dankworth used to teach on, but John Dankworth and Claire Lane set up, you know, for jazz. So lots of jazz musicians all kind of a week or two weeks or three weeks playing, learning harmony. Getting up on stage, and Steve Wharton was one of the tutors, and he came up and he said, "Oh, we're going to do that piece of music. Have you got the lyrics?" I went, "No," but I'm sure I can remember them. And interestingly enough, I rewrote them, but they turned. I found the piece of paper when I then back, got back into London. And I'd written pretty well the same words, but I was having to sing for the first time in my life in front of an orchestra. Mm-hmm. And I got on stage that night, and I'd, I was singing other things fine. I did some harmony work, I did a solo, a couple of solo pieces, but then suddenly I had to stand and sing me on my own in front of about 30 musicians hmm. for yeah. this tune where I also had said, I've got some lyrics. So you know what I mean? I've really put myself out there emotionally. And I do know what happened was I started hyperventilating to the point I never forget Jackie Dankworth. <laughs> breathe out myself because you can't really sing when you're not breathing and i was so shaking by this that my bottom kept clenching i mean literally it was like <laughs> i've never had it really i was like unbelievably and, and they we started and um actually what i might do is i'll find a bit of the track and pop a little bit of it onto the thing
1: yeah do because i then
0: popped it on the album but i came in on an octave lower than i meant to because i was just so free so instead of singing uh how It was springtime when we first met. So instead, I was like, "It was springtime when you know, like."
1: (laughs) Uh, Jazz club in Soho.
0: Yeah, I know. I was like, "Oh God!" Um, And I just was freaking all the way through. I kept thinking, "I can't sing. I'm being useless." You did the good. We then came to the middle ten. Most songs have a middle eight, you know, eight bars in a different yeah that that change into a different chord structure or different key or come out of it, you know and uh it was when i was going up high uh and now i'm a high soprano with three and a half octave range i now know that's fine but at the time i, I was a bit anyway so i went to go up into the change i we changing um chord it was quite radically out of the uh, out of the structure of where we were at now i just carried on because i am a freaking professional but my voice broke i learned i just forgot the ability to sing in that moment my voice broke but I carried on to the end. Now, I was finished this sweating, thinking this was the worst thing I'd ever done in my entire life. And this woman came up to me crying. I thought, freaking hell, I was bad, right? Um, <laughs> she's cry. literally crying, complete strange, I've never seen before. And she came up to me and she held my hand. And the song, uh, the lyrics had written off the back of this beautiful piece of music. Um, I mean, it, the, the chorus kind of it was springtime when we first met we had summer to love, October has arrived, the time for love has passed, you see, and uh, he'd he'd already named it October Arrival, so I'd, uh, that's why I'd written the lyric that way, that that was the bit he'd he'd already named it, Um, so it's obviously about loving and then loss, and she came up crying, and she said to me, she said, that was absolutely beautiful heart-wrench singing, and she said, and when your voice cracked with pain, I just cried, now, I knew my voice had cracked because I'd forgotten how to sing. But I was very clear that to this we produced that. Yeah. So I said thank you. And then I, I, there's a recording. I'd, I'd recorded it. And I listened to it back. And I realised, A, I was nowhere near as bad as I thought I was. Right?
1: Yeah, we never are.
0: I, but I thought I was, you know. And also, in the bit where my voice had cracked, what had happened is, there was a four-part trombone harmony had come in. And three of the four trombones had come in in the wrong key. So I'd heard what they'd done and my voice had cracked and adjusted to the fact that three or four of them were wrong. You know what I'm saying? So I had, so I'd actually be, and I, for me, that was a defining moment in my perception as a artist, whether I'm singing, talking, performing, telling a joke or acting, has nothing to do with my audience perception. I might think I'm brilliant that night, and someone in that room is bound to think I'm terrible. And equally, I might think this this is the worst piece of rubbish I've ever done in my entire life, and how could I have ruined ruined Steve Waterman's tune like this? And yet someone in the room, I move them to tears.
1: That's a very good point you've made, because I think that sort of translates into not only just work for creatives, but also in other areas of life, whether it's at the office, or it's at the supermarket, or gym, wherever... You know, there's a a book, actually, I think the woman's name is Terry Cole Whittaker, and the book's called What You Think of Me is None of My Business. Nice. And it's a brilliant book. I've only read about three quarters of it, but one of the, sort of, a few of the points in the book are exactly that, Marisha. It's basically, one of them is, what people think of you has nothing to do with you anyway. It's all based on their own programming. For example, uh, not to get sort of too, you know, into psychology or that stuff with this, but you know, if, if you have, let's say you have a very negative experience with people with red sports cars. Let's say your ex-boyfriend had a red sports car and... I think
0: all of my ex-boyfriends have had red sports cars.
1: <laughs> I <Intuition. laughs> <laughs> You know, you might meet somebody, you might sort of cut off by somebody in, a, in a, with with a red sports car in traffic and go absolutely ape-poo.
0: Right.
1: And um, that person might have not meant to do it. But what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it, you know... Whether or not pe- whether people think you're brilliant or they think you're awful largely depends on where they're where where they're at when they're watching yes. it. I do I do articles sometimes that I think are phenomenal and like, nobody will share them or comment or like them, and then I'll do some that I think are awful and I'll get emails from people saying that I've changed their week. And I actually the same as you, I stop checking up on the reviews because what I find. You know, like I said to you at the beginning, I coach on things I do and I have done. So I, I like. I think that's very relevant when I'm talking to people. I want them to know I've done the same thing. I don't think reviews really ever help you unless, unless it's from un-
0: unless you. Sorry, unless you can use it for a promotion, exactly. which means that well, therefore I, you're yeah. searching for the good reviews. But again, exactly. it's just someone's opinion. It's just a, if it's the Times critic, then yeah,
1: the Times is just a, it's just, a, it's, just a, it's just a well-known publication that lots to know about and and has a sense of credibility attached it doesn't mean that the opinion is any more valid or any less valid than a blogger but the point here is that I think you excellently made earlier it doesn't you know I like to break things down no matter what the situation to does this actually work for me by work I mean you know, do I get something good out of this the simple answer is no because you could be reading reviews and like you said if it's great you feel awesome if it's terrible you feel terrible i would suggest maybe get a friend or a colleague or if you can have you know if you have an assistant or a publicist get them to do it let them filter it i remember seeing an interview with madonna and somebody asked her about interviews and she said i haven't read them for years because it it's just it's too dangerous
0: yeah it it, it overinflates you or it underinflates you and i just don't yeah Uh, Yeah, I think I do. I mean, it's interesting, though, because I could see on, obviously, part of on your website, you know, if people are saying positive things about your acting as you've moved forward, then, I mean, I I noticed on one of my fellow actresses in this, she's got some really lovely quotes. And, you you know, you like to see that, don't you? And, in fact, I've got three on my, I do have three on my cabaret page on Love Your Creativity about me being known how to entertain. Of course, Jeff Peck, the, you know, amazing musician, guitarist, grammy award winner you know he once said no one sings those cabaret songs like that to me he said i've never you know he spent the entire time laughing and just being transfixed and he made a point of saying that and there was someone behind it when you should use it as a quote and i went yeah but at the time i thought mm-hmm. but now i've gone actually it's a great quote to get that kind of because i was ended up you know jamming with a, a pianist i never sat with him, laughing his head off and loving it because obviously yeah. i know all, all that cabaret and that french repertoire and all of that I just know because I've been singing it for so long that I could not look at it and it's still always. I, I, in fact, started singing La Vie and Rose to myself while I was doing the washing up earlier today. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but, no, uh, yeah, that's great. So, so I think the advice then is don't read them, but get someone else to read them for you and almost while the show's running to, if there mm-hmm. are good ones, to cherry pick them and then almost you do need that kind of help. Although I did, I once did that. I got my mum to read them, but I think she, I don't know whether. If you've got to get someone who will do it and loves you, you know. loves you, but yeah. as you say, is objective, I think, a bit, really.
1: I think it's interesting to sort of listen to... I'm not sure where this fits in, but I just think it's worth mentioning for people listening, is um, I always think that... You know that wonderful exp- expression of backseat drivers, people who, like, they don't drive, but they sort of tell you how to? I've noticed with my own experience and from hearing clients discuss things when you put yourself out there as you have and as you are Mm. because that comes to the sense of vulnerability that you're pushing through it often people who don't necessarily even have the authority to comment sometimes can feel a need to either put you down or sort of give you their opinion when with all due respect to them it's neither relevant nor invited I remember I did a I did an article last year when I moved to Ibiza and they, they printed a picture of me on the beach, you know, obviously in my swimming trunks, swimming shorts. And I got this email from someone saying that my picture was inappropriate. And it was hilarious because I just sort of thought, oh, OK, thank you. You know, A, I didn't actually invite, I wasn't asking for comments. You know, it was a story about living next to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I wasn't going to be in a suit. But I think I, I've, I found that a few times, you know, in the last few months, especially with... Clients like you who have that real sort of inner energy and and sort of fire, people will always try and chip in. And I think to anyone listening, whether you are a creative or a business owner or, or just your personal life, you know, what people say about you essentially is just noise. Yeah. Take the you know, it's your choice what you attach yourself to. Whether it's your thoughts or anything like that, I would really suggest listen to the people who are, who have your best inter- interests at heart. Listen to the people who can help you grow, and you know yeah. disregard the, disregard anything else because yeah. it's it's just noise.
0: I mean, I know I read Frank uh, Frank Skinner, the comic. He uh, has written a very funny autobiography um, about doing. I like yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, and i uh, uh, like a tour. Uh, he was going on tour around. England, of course, one of the big things about when you tour as a comic is you find the name of the local lo- local nightclub or the local bar or, you know. So you tend to read the local press because so you can drop in local references. It's one of those guaranteed things that all comedians do. And I've done it. You do. I went to Montreal and I was going, OK, where would you go for here and here? You, you find the local references. Yeah, of course. But he's also a non-review reader because he drives himself mad. So what he does is he gets his tour manager to before he gets the local papers to go through for the thing he goes through the tour manager goes through and any reviews or references to frank skinner he cuts them out but then <laughs> frank skinner says he finds himself going crazy because if there's a really big space or a really small space <laughs> he then, or equally if there's no holes like well no one's talking to me like, you
1: know. <laughs> i think that's quite brilliant though it's like it's like people who say you know I don't want anyone to like judge my work, and then, like you said perfectly just then, exactly, they're like, well, why is no one talking about it? Yeah, well, it- I think that's also something that's quite good, is to not take things too seriously. You know, have fun with it. I remember coaching somebody, um, they were about to launch a website, and they were really OCD about it being perfect and it looking a certain way. Uh, I think they wanted it to look very upmarket and fabulous or something like that. And that's that's cool, you know. And um, they, were, they were almost paranoid that it, that it would be perceived otherwise. And I said, you know, we have to have fun with these things. Otherwise, what's the point? If you're going into doing a play, in your example, and, you know, you're like stood there exuding this energy of, unless everybody loves me, I'm just going to go home and I'm yeah. not you know, that kind of thing. There's something very attractive also about people who aren't really swayed.
0: Well, it's back to the. I've actually found the. I found the quote, and I've also found another quote which I was. I was thinking of earlier, the the, the Eight Winds quote is. Um, it's Mister and I shown in uh, some time, probably about twelve eighty three. But I'm, <laughs> I probably could find. But anyway, uh, a wise man is grace, honour, praise, censure, suffering, and pleasure. They're neither elated by prosperity nor grieved by this decline. The eight, the heavenly gods will surely protect. One who is unbending before the eight winds. Um, like yeah, and the other one I was thinking of, which is uh, Theodore Roosevelt, who delivered this speech called Citizenship in a Republic at the Sorbonne in Paris, France, on the 23rd of April 1910. But this is the one I used to have up and is brilliant. I'll quote it now. It is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. The great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. Basically the critics. Beautiful. I know, it's genius. I'll I'll pop that out, but I I love love that. Go
1: on. That's lovely. No, I really like what you just said. I I read a brilliant, I posted it on my Facebook. I'm trying desperately to find it. And it was, um, it's so, here you go, lovely. You're going to love this. And um, it's it's so perfectly in tune, and it's by J.K. Rowling, who obviously we know wrote Harry Potter. Yes. It says, It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might have well not lived at all, in which case you fail by default. Brilliant.
0: J.K. Rowling. Isn't that just delicious. Yeah, they're all great. Well, I think we know where we're at, so I think it's time to round it. So on the basis of that, I have a song called London Time, which has... You? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I've, you know, I've done a little bit. I know I got some feedback from my wonderful hairdresser who had histronics of what, what hair and makeup stylists have been doing my hair onto my hair for the last while. My hair's at least three inches shorter than it used to be. And uh, he very much does all the kind of late night gay clubbing, but he's older now. He's like, you know, we were talking about my ideal customer yeah. well, a while ago now, and he really is up there in my ideal customer. He has said to me that he, it's not, the stuff he goes to listen to that is far heavier and darker and of course as you know I've got those two other tunes which I am absolutely going to pop those out as well. Um, it's amazing how I play though te- and also I've not just been doing a play I've been doing some filming as well but uh, he has said he feels it's really more pop commercial than the places he goes to and the really places I need to start are basically Heaven and G-A-Y-E. I need to go for the far not, not the underground gay clubs but very much the sort of you know, a bit more. I don't know what the word is, but you know what I'm
1: I mean? saying. I know the places that your hairdresser's talking about. Right. Um, so it's definitely not right for those. That they're much harder. Um, like he said. I mean, what I'd like to know is, you know, are you? How are you finding? I know when we spoke last time about the sort of putting London town, perhaps on pause. In you know, to just sort of prioritise things. How are you finding? How are you finding?
0: I know I've got to focus on the show, but real. But really, the play's running quite nicely now, and so I can now start going. Right, it is time to get because there's a bit in my heart. It's time to start moving on. London town. I know I need to go after DIY in heaven. I've got to find out a more modern list of where else those bars are, mm-hmm. and I need to go in and get them. I need to go after the DJs now. That's what I have to do. So I, I, I know I've got to do that. So I've got to find a list and then get start getting on with it. Basically and and to go back and not worried about if get rejection because at the end of the day i am going to get rejected but as you and i spoke our very first podcast and if anyone's listening you'll find in the show notes not only the very first podcast i did with ryan about how to be your own publicist but also you'll find links to this and all the previous six coaching sessions so you can listen to them all in order or however you wish as well um but, I mean, you just talked about, go, don't worry about what people say about you who aren't the relevant audience. And equally, I'm now ready to go and go. I know where I need to go. I'm very clear. I probably need to go and see if I can get a copy to Boys and, magazine and maybe QX as well. You
1: know? I, know, I know some people at those magazines, so I can always help you out. Um, That'd be lovely. Just but I, yeah, I do, think it's, I do think it's very important here to, as we sort of said the other day, the other session, you, you know, it's okay for things to fluctuate and for priorities to change. Uh, there's a, a quote, I actually mention it in my coaching programme, but I, I love it, and it's, a, it's something about uh, palm trees. I think I've said it on here before, and it's one of the reasons palm trees are so strong is because they bend with the wind. So they, you know, they move as things move, and I think it's okay, for, you know, I, I don't think it would have been right for you to have been promoting London Town whilst you've been doing all this other stuff. It would have just been too overwhelming.
0: Yes. And of course don't forget I you know, I'm playing a I'm playing a journalist, investigative journalist on stage trying to ensure a man stays in prison. That's the play. You know what I'm saying? It's a very, yeah. very it's Marisha as the actress, as a very serious yeah. actress. I'm a serious I am a serious actress. Yes, I've done all the years of comedy, but I'm very clear that it seems to be although I'm you know, I'm definitely on the drama side and I'm sure I will continue to do some comic comedy, but I, I know you know what I mean my storytelling comes through that so so that's good well I'm going to wrap up because otherwise this podcast means so long I'm not gonna be able to get it up I'm gonna to have to cut stuff <laughs> so um uh, the one thing is we if people have got any questions for us uh Ryan and I will answer them so if people want to either email in to uh Marisha at loveyourcreativity.com I'll pop those things or equally they can email Ryan what's your email address Ryan
1: uh, they can use info at beingyourownpublicist.com and Brilliant. that'll be forwarded on to me
0: exactly the blog etc they can go onto my website and on the right there's a thing called leave voicemail they, we can actually use the mp3 so they can say who they are and what they do so they can get their promotion if they've got a blog Perfect. or a product and then we'll listen and we'll do that ongoingly moving forward if we've got questions coming in or if, you don't, if you've got a question you don't want names mentioned we'll do that so that's yeah. great thank you very much Ryan that was really uh, I think it was really it's just calm it's You know, sometimes you know, well, I'm fine with coaching. A, you you do know what you need to do, but sometimes in having a very focused conversation, it's about, it really comes to light.
1: I think something that's one of the reasons I love coaching is because ultimately I believe that everything you need to know and do is already inside of you. And whilst other people can certainly give you good advice, you ultimately always know what's best for you. And I think... A really good assignment for you this week, if you don't mind, would be, I'd like you to find a way of making this review situation work for you. I'd like you to find a way to, whether it's delegating it to somebody else, whether it's agreeing to just not read them, whether it's learning to become more objective, try and make this situation with the reviews really work for you. Because I think that there's perhaps some energy tied up in this that would be much better used elsewhere.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, I have a proper think about that, and I, I already think I know. I think I what I need. To, I mean, as I said, I've been very clear to everybody, uh, you know, in the production, I don't want to hear. But the people still like to comment about their own reviews. It's quite, <laughs> it's quite <laughs> interesting. I don't want to hear a review, but it was like, oh, so and so said, so and so about so and so, and I know that the um, the producers come up and issued and popped a review of everyone else. But then you go, why am I? But I know he hasn't put a review of me because I don't want to see it. But equally, maybe you go, oh, maybe there wasn't one. <laughs> You can go to all kinds of crazy. Let's get, let's not. Thank you Ryan. This is really great. Look forward to the next one.
1: You're very welcome. Have a great day. Thank
0: you. Bye-bye.